On the Empire Podcast this week, we're live at the Prince Charles Cinema in London! milk it. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the 100th Empire Podcast. Yes, somehow we've managed to make it through a century of these things. How the hell did that happen? No idea. But anyway, here we are at the Prince Charles Cinema in the bustling heart of London's West End and we're going to complete the century tonight. Over the next two hours we're going to bring you movie news, movie reviews, movie interviews with people who've actually made movies instead of sitting on their arse talking about them like us. But anyway, I won't be doing it alone. As I'm sure you'll be glad to hear, I'm going to be doing with three of the finest film journalists that money can buy. When I say money, I mean pound fifty. First up, please welcome a man who edits the podcast on a program called Audition or Audacity, or I don't give a shit what it's called, actually. But he turns our unlistenable swill every week into something approaching vaguely listenable. And I quite like that. Please welcome Ali Plum! <laughs> Next up is our resident art house guru. He's a man who grew up in black and white, whose first words were subtitled, and whose favorite children's TV show was Werner Herzog's In der Nachtgarten. It's Phil Assemblian. Come on! Jawohl! And next up is our geek queen, Something Something Dragons. Something, something supernatural. It's Helen O'Hara! <laughs> Bloody hell. Wow. That was fun. See you next week, guys. Um, I think we should explain something. We have, we have spirit animals on our desk. Little good luck tokens. And this is uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. And I didn't bring him here because it was the only thing I could find on my desk. Ali, yeah. what have you got? I've got my phone. It's got Bill Murray on it. <laughs> Is he your spirit animal? Yes. <laughs> um, I've got a, a medium-sized Totoro. <laughs> it's a lovely Totoro. It's Thank good. you. Totoro. Helen, what you got? I have an unseen university scarf because we were going for a sort of university challenge vibe. Yeah, what yeah. that means is Helen forgot. And I she forgot. just happened to bring a scarf. <laughs> you only came up with it this morning. I didn't have anything on my desk. Yeah, I do also have a Pixar phone. Loose. Uh, normally, we would start with questions from readers via Facebook, Twitter, email, carrier pigeon, what have you. Uh, but today, we're going to leave that open to you guys. So roughly halfway through the show, we're going to ask you to ask us questions, which should be interesting, uh, which means we're going to start off with movie news. And I think we have to start with the very, very sad news uh, of the passing of the great Harold Ramis, the director of Groundhog Day, co-writer and star of Ghostbusters, to name but two. Helen. Yeah, uh, hor horrifying and, and sad news, basically. Uh, he was a huge talent. I think he shaped the minds of a lot of our generation. You know, those comedies sort of, you know, continually kind of uh, champion the underdog. They continually sort of challenge authority. And they were also extremely funny. I mean, something like Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is a perfect film in any way. When you watch it the first time, it's a hilarious comedy. If you keep watching it and watch it as long as some people on the internet have done, you see that you can see all sorts of philosophical stuff in there. I mean, you could, you could actually write religions based on that film. It, it, it goes into so much depth about what it means to be human and what makes us good people and mm. how we change as we go through life. So it is no surprise at all to hear you know, the tributes that flooded in. Um, just one from his daughter, Violet Steele 
She told the Chicago Tribune, he was like the campfire that we all gathered around for light and warmth and knowledge, which is a gorgeous Mm. way of putting it. President Obama once again shows that he's one of us. He not only calls him one of America's great satirists, but he also says, our thoughts and prayers are with his wife, Erica, his children and grandchildren, and all those who loved him, who quote his work with abandon, and who hope that he received total consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, he was an amazing guy. I met him a couple of years ago on the set of Year One. I only got to speak with him for half an hour, but it was, well, I listened to him for half an hour. He was a very learned, very interesting guy. And he made some amazing comedies. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think if you look at Twitter over the last 24 hours, it's been clear that his impact on American comedy in particular has been profound and lasting. So many people call him one of the giants of American comedy. Of course, you know, he's, you know, SCT. Do you do SCTV? Yeah, Second City TV. Second City TV, yeah, absolutely. Started off with that, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation, Stripes, Ghostbusters, which I rewatched last night. Did anyone rewatch Ghostbusters or Groundhog Day last night? Yeah. One person. What's that? Stuart Sage's family. Did anyone watch any other Harold Ramis films last night? Caddyshack? Otherwise, you're all heartless. Is that basically what we've established here? He was amazing, amazing talent, and... Gone too soon. I saw some incredibly poignant uh, illustrations today of... There was one of Egon waving goodbye to the Ghostbusters yeah. as he was uh, lowered into a trap, which that may, Seemed not, harsh. Have, that may not have been too poignant. The but one the, of him sort of the, walking... The sentiment was lovely. The one of him walking into the light with Slimer w- was a little bit more Yeah, that was very, very lovely. Yeah. Phil, Ali, you got any thoughts on Harold Ramis? Um, I was looking at some... Uh, an interview with him recently, not too long ago on, on uh, another website last night and he just came across I mean aside from the fact that his films are so much fun he just came across as such a lovely guy mm-hmm. and um, he was also quite dismissive of um, the Crystal Skull as well which went down well <laughs> he was talking about he was talking about Ghostbusters 3 and the prospect of doing it and he was saying that you know we could all do this and make a lot of money from it but there's been one or two Spider-Man 3 also got called out he was very candid about these things but um, what's the Crystal Skull I don't <laughs> Never heard of it. Uh, he described it as a disaster. <laughs> and uh, somebody left a Twinkie outside the Tribeca <laughs> firehouse today, which I thought was pretty cool, and some flowers. Wow. So he'll be Did it weigh 600 pounds? Yeah, absolutely. It's a big, uh, it's a big old Twinkie. Um, Ali, you got any thoughts on Harold Ramis? It's very sad. There we go. <laughs> Succinct, summing up, love it. Uh, let's move on now to uh, something that I think may be a little bit more uplifting. Uh, point Break. Is this true? Point Break has had some, the, the remakes has some casting news. You're going to love this. <laughs> it is. A Plumps, what do you got? Your question was Point Break, is this true? Point, yes. Yes. <laughs> Jared Butler, we know, is Bodhi. Hang on, hang on. Hang this on. is surfing! <laughs> so we're aware of that. You're all aware of that. That's good casting. He catches some waves, he doles out some seas. I don't know what I'm talking about. But who is Johnny Utah in the new version of Point Break, who is being directed by, the film is being directed by, Ericsson Core? The, the hot new phone from Nokia. <laughs> Ericsson Core, coming to a cinema near you. Uh, Point Break will now star as Johnny Utah, a man called Luke Brady. Bracy. Bracy. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a typo on the website. It says Bracy and Mike copy the website. Was it was a joke. Um, so, anyway, he is a guy who you'll know if you're a die-hard Home and Away fan, as he was in Home and Away. He was also under a big mask in the latest G.I. Joe Retaliation movie. So um, He was Cobra Commander, wasn't he? He was indeed. He was Cobra Commander. He was Cobra yeah. Commander. 
I'm going to say so many words correctly tonight. It's untrue. Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander. Is he young, dumb, and full of cum? I haven't checked personally. <laughs> but his Wikipedia page did for about five seconds say that. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, at least, you know, Luke Brady's did. Anyway, so that's the news. And whether you like it or not, it is happening. There will be a new Point Break movie. Let's get a show of hands. Who, How do you feel about a, it? Yeah, this is a good idea, a bad idea. It's like Ready, City Cook. Okay, good idea. Food. Hands up. Yeah, Nobody thinks no it's a good idea. Yeah, at all. Right. I said, good idea or bad idea, show of hands. Yeah. Uh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two hands. If you have guns, fire them in the air and go, arg, now. Um, that would be a bad idea. That was uh, like yeah, mine. so good idea. No one. Yes. Come on, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> this man. Boo. Boo. And he got here before everyone else and bagged a front row seat to watch people talking. What you've done, Chris, is essentially take a human being who's in front of you and, and dropkick him like a dog. <laughs> yeah, How but, could you? But you'll have the last laugh when this movie, directed by Ericsson Corr, let's not forget, turns out to be brilliant. So that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, who thinks it's a bad idea? Stand up. Um, all right, so that's definitive. Uh, we'll, we'll put your, uh, your results to Hollywood and we'll see what they do with it. Uh, Hell's Bells, what do you got? The Oscars are this weekend. I don't know if you knew that, but they are. Uh, Sunday in LA at whatever they're calling the Kodak Theatre these days. Dolby Theatre, I believe it is Dobby. now. Do- Dobby. The Dobby Theatre. Dobby the House Theatre the in LA. <laughs> the Dobby Theatre. The Luke Brady Theatre. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't even been nominated yet, and they've already named the film after him, uh, the, the theatre. He will uh, win Best Actor. He will. For, 2016. And then this guy will be laughing at yeah. all of us. So yes, it's taking place this weekend. It's I think the feeling is that it's a three horse race for best picture. It's Twelve Years a Slave, American Hustle, or Filming. Gravity. We'd love it to be filming. I don't think it will be. Um, I think uh, I think it's down to those three. American Hustle seemed to have the momentum. It seems to have lost it a little bit. Gravity seems to have picked up. Um, I've, I feel like in the ether, but it's really hard to say, isn't it? Because you know, Crash won an Oscar. <laughs> It is hard to say. Is that how you predict Oscars? By feeling things in the ether? In the ether, yes. Well, I've okay. watched a lot of Supernatural, so now I can reach out and touch it. <laughs> okay, okay. That's interesting. Who, who are the locks, do you think? Who are the, the people or the, uh, the, the films that will three win? Three of the acting categories are looking like locks. Say it with me now. Best actress? Matthew McConaughey, correct. <laughs> the lady at the front there. <laughs> Let's try that again. Best actress? Okay, Blanchett. Best actor? All right, all right, Best all right. supporting actor, Jared Leto, yeah. Jordan Catalano, up for an Oscar. McConaughey, though, is he going to win? Because Chiwetel Ejiofor has been brilliant, obviously. He is brilliant. We love him. Won at the BAFTAs, but he had kind of home field advantage here. And McConaughey wasn't nominated. That's right. So it's hard to compare the two. He was disqualified for being too handsome. That's, is, that, is that right? That, well, no Did I get way. that right? I don't think that's how it works. Cause oh, okay. Uh, I think he could. I think he's got a chance. But yeah, I would say McConaughey's going to win that one. And uh, uh, the supporting actress is interesting. Yeah. Can we do, without doing the whole Ready, Steady, Cook thing again, can we get a show of hands for what film people think is going to win Best Picture? Okay. Who thinks 12 Years a Slave is going to win that one? Ooh. Mm, Quite a lot. lot American Hustle, anyone? Ooh, that was I'm literally the only person. No, there's two. there's two. two people over there. Okay. It shouldn't. This is it. It shouldn't, but it might. It was and a front runner a while ago. Gravity. And gravity. Yeah. Right. That's not everyone in the room. So, without going through each one of you individually, <laughs> which might take a bit of time. Yeah. Philomena. Steve Cook is not in tonight. Uh, her. Cap. Captain Phillips. No. One at the back. One, one at the right at the back. Hello, Captain Phillips, and thank you for joining us this evening. <laughs> you parked your boat outside. 
Uh, it's very interesting. I don't know. Uh, are we gonna? We're gonna presumably we're watching the Oscars. Anyone who watches the Oscars actually stays up and watches it. Okay, so Ellen DeGeneres is the host. What do we expect from Ellen DeGeneres this year? I think she's quite funny. I think she she tends to be you know slightly cuddly and not very threatening, but she's she's funny with it and she can sort of be kind of impishly rude to people in a way that certainly Seth MacFarlane has never managed. Um, <laughs> I expect fewer songs about people's boobs, but then, I mean, she also is a boob appreciator, so who knows? <laughs> there might be more. She, she might go completely the opposite direction. But enough of this Oscar talk, because there's another award ceremony coming up in March, which is possibly the biggest on the awards calendar. It's the Jemison Empire Awards, and the, uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, and the nominations were announced this week. And, uh, of course, a photo for by the movie going public. Uh, Helen, what have we got? What, what are the, what's the spread of awards it's, nominations? It's a very wide spread, quite frankly. That sounded a bit rude. Um, I mean, uh, the, the, the Hobbit, <laughs> the Hobbit uh, gets a lot of nominations because people seem to absolutely adore it. But then, you know, sort of Oscar favorites like Gravity and 12 Years a Slave. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is actually in there personally twice, uh, both as best female newcomer and best Supporting actress, yes, yes. Blue is the warmest color is in there. World War Z is in there. Evil Dead. This is not your average, you know, awards list, which kind of makes it more interesting. And the fact that it's voted for by you lot, you know, always throws up some unusual choices, which I for one enjoy. Yeah, and look at the best comedy presented by Magic One Hundred Five Point Four. Says here, uh, it's a good, it's a good lineup. Alan Partridge, Alpha yeah. Papa. Very good comedy. Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, very good comedy. This is the end, very good comedy. The World's End, very good comedy. And this is 40s also on the list, which is, uh, <laughs> which is good to see. Uh, this year we got supporting actors in there, but British film. I mean, you know, I, I love this list. Alan Partridge, Filth, Rush, Sunshine and Leith, The World's End. That's a solid lineup. That's a brilliant lineup. That's really, really good. And so. that's even not counting Gravity as a British film. Controversial. Controversial. The Queen herself bestowed at a British film. She did. Yes, she probably did. Personally. I don't know. Uh, where do you guys stand on the? Uh, let's, let's have another show of hands because I like that. I like you've got hands and you can use them. Uh, Gravity, British film or not British film? British film, yes. This is great radio. <laughs> As the editor of this podcast, I love it. You love it. Couldn't give two shits whether it's a British film or not. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and the uh, the Jemison Empire Awards uh, this year is on the thirtieth of March. And uh, to vote, you can go to the Empire website, empireonline.com forward slash awards 2014, I believe. Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. And when do you um, have to vote by, Chris? What's that? When do you need it? I don't know. I've got no things, idea. So, as soon as possible. Does anyone know? It's, it's on the website. Before March 30th, ideally, so we can have the winners <laughs> turn up. That would be nice. Uh, yes. Oh, oh interesting. I've just been told our first guest is here. Ooh. Oh. Skip Spot Prize. That's not his name. <laughs> by the way, uh, we just got one last very, very quick bit of... Uh, Quite frankly, it's a plug. Uh, but the new issue of Empire is out this week. This is it. <laughs> Thank you. Holding up a piece of paper gets you applause. This hey, is yeah. <laughs> like this is hey, guys at home. <laughs> this is the uh, subs cover. The, uh, the actual cover of the magazine will be revealed tomorrow at 10 a.m., uh, which is very, very exciting. Godzilla is, of course, in the cover. Should we talk us, talk us through very, very quickly what's on the cover? Oh, okay. That's uh, Godzilla. We have, right. yeah, it's a really, it's genuinely a really exciting month. Uh, Dan Jolin of this parish, who's right here actually, wrote a huge Godzilla piece um, after talking to everyone you were on set, weren't you? Yeah. 
Um, he was on set twice to get all the lowdown on the film. So that piece is is huge and uh, tells you a lot that you don't know so far about the film. It's very, very exciting indeed. We've also got, uh, we segue nicely from there. You see, we go into Brian Cranston, who's of course in Godzilla, and then pair that with Aaron Paul. See what we did there. So it's a, we cover both and, and talk about Need for Speed. Um, Chris, talk about The Raid 2. The Raid 2, yes. Uh, I think uh, we were the only magazine on set of The Raid 2, Barandal. It's not going to be called Barandal over here, sadly. Barandal is Indonesian for thug. I'm full of uh, useful facts like that. Uh, it's The Raid 2, the sequel to The Raid, which I think is the greatest action movie of the last 20, maybe even 30 years. Uh, I went out to Jakarta earlier this year, spent two days on set watching the climactic fight being shot. It is absolutely astonishing. I saw the film this week. It will rock your socks off. Uh, and you can read all about that. It was a very, very interesting set visit indeed. Are they going to call it, in England, The Raid 2 Thug? No. <laughs> Sadly, they're going to just call it The Raid 2. Rubbish. Uh, we've also got in the magazine the amazing Kevin Spacey in a thoroughly interesting interview, which I read this morning. It's really um, good, isn't it? And I'm going to read it again later. Mm. It's that good. It really is very good, uh, <laughs> in honour of House of Cards and a bunch of other things. I interviewed Anthony, or Anthony Mackie, a.k.a. The Falcon <laughs> in Captain America 2 for the Pint of Milk interview. And he used the phrase in terms of getting some suntan, darkening up the chocolate. <laughs> and when you hear a quote like that, you go, I'm having a good interview. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that is a pint of milk for the ages. It really genuinely is. He also uses the phrase man jungle, and you've got to read it to find out what that is. <laughs> He's very, very good. And also, I want to give uh, one very, very quick shout-out. Uh, Drew Pierce, the man who co-wrote Iron Man 3, and co-wrote and directed... Uh, sorry, he wrote and directed the, uh, the Marvel one-shot All Hail the King, uh, wrote a very special and exclusive profile of Trevor Slattery uh, for this, this month's uh, Empire, in which he spoke to Trevor exclusively. Uh, one-on-one, so do check it out. That is absolutely hilarious. Phil? And because uh, Dan's obviously here still. A big profile, uh, movie by movie, with uh, Terry Gilliam, where we yes. go from Time Bandits all the way up to his new movie, Zero Theorem, and talk through some of the, uh, some of the imagery from his amazing, amazingly detailed movies. And you've Indeed. got to look out for an 80-word review of 300 Rise of an Empire, the art book. Uh, so it's really good. Uh, read that. <laughs> Who wrote that, Ali? Who wrote that? Oh, some guy. Who knows? <laughs> awesome Muppets. Uh, that's probably enough shilling. You've, you know what the issue is. It's out on Thursday. £3.99 and all good and evil news agents. So do go and pick that one up. Okay, so I think we have our first guest ready to rock and roll. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to stick to the, uh, the podcast tradition of having two interviewers. So these three are going to sort off now for, for a while. And uh, Dan Jolin will come up and interview our next guest with me, our first guest. So give it up very quickly for Helen, Ali and Phil. Thank you. And welcome Dan Jolin to the stage. <laughs> Cheeky peck in the cheek, I love it, I love it. Okay, so, ready to rock? Okay, fantastic. Uh, it's time for our first guest. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, a legend. He started his career as a rapper before heading into films and making one heck of a mark with the likes of Boys in the Hood, Trespass, Three Kings, and 21 Jump Street. His new movie, Ride Along, has just been a huge hit in the States, holding the number one spot for three weeks, and the sequel is on the way. Please welcome the man mountain that is Ice Cube! <laughs>
Yeah, yay, how y'all feeling? Good to see y'all, man. Energetic. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> how you feeling, Ice? You all right? I feel real good. You know, I, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. With the movies that we do, sometimes it's hard to, to get over here, to get the, uh, yeah. the movie company to, to send you over to promote the movie, even if you want to go. Uh, but, you know, it's cool that Universal got so behind this movie and they got me and Kevin over here yeah, yeah. to, you know, so people, we can feel the love and they can uh, feel how much we, you know, are excited about this film. I'm, surprised, I'm not surprised you're excited because this movie has made more money than God in the States, hasn't it? It's, <laughs> A it's, little bit. It's done all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, got a lot of people's attention, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you come into London, are you a London file? Are you a, uh, an Anglophile? Do you like to? Is there anywhere you like to go in London? Anything you like to do? Well, you know what's what's crazy. I've I've come here. You know, not enough, but I think this is my fourth time here, and I'm always here like a day, two days. <laughs> you know, I do a show and I'm gone. Yeah. You know, and uh, I never get to spend time. You know what I'm saying? So I can't wait to come back in the summer. And just hang and spend a, co a couple of weeks. I got to do some sightseeing. I got to know what London is all about. You know what so I mean? you've never yeah. done Buckingham Palace? You've never been in the London Eye? No. Oh, man. Never. I drove past it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I drove past it. It was cool. <laughs> it's nice. It's very nice. You, but, should, go, you should go up the Shard. That's yeah. The Shard, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful okay. views. Big all right, big when yeah. I come back, man, you got to let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, right along, I mean, this is, this movie's been huge, and it, and Kevin Hart is your co-star you mentioned there. Yeah. And this guy is is blowing up spectacularly. What's it like working with him? Because he seems to me to have this incredible comedic energy. You know, I call Kevin Hart a master of comedy because I've seen I've worked with a lot of comedians, and um, you know, some of them are very serious people, you know, really, and they're funny when the camera turns on. And when the camera turns off, you know, they, they, they're an asshole again, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, a lot of comedians have dark pasts. So, you know, some of them are real dark people. So, uh, but Kevin's not that way, you know. He, he's had a dark past, but he's, he's like, you know, the class clown given, like, made the principal of the school, you know. He's, yeah. he's all over, but he's, he's extremely professional when it comes to you know, uh, being on time, hitting his mark, knowing his lines. But he can make the whole crew laugh. He can make the camera laugh. I've seen him, you know, hold the universal people hostage in a meeting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just by, you know, making them laugh and, okay. and them not wanting to leave, you know. And uh, so he's just a master to me. This, this film reunites you with uh, Lawrence Fishburne yes. from Boys in the Hood. I mean, yes. how was that getting back together with, with him on screen at least? Well, it's cool. You know, I remember him when he was Larry Fishburne. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, you know, after The Matrix or something, it became Lawrence. Yeah. You know, but it was cool working with Fish. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he taught me a lot. You yeah. know, he, he almost, you know, single-handedly taught me everything I know about acting. Mm -hmm. um, when, I, when I first did Boys in the Hood, John Singleton wanted to send me to acting class. You know, he, he thought he's like, you go, you need to work with this lady. You need to, you know, uh, hone in your your craft. And I was like, okay, all right. But after shooting all day, to go to a class after that, you're like, man, I'm here 12 hours in. You want me to go spend two hours with this chick? 
right? <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, <laughs> but but so I, I wasn't feeling it. So so Larry at the time was like, "Where you going?" I said, "Man, she, John want me to go to this class." And he said, uh, "Why are you going to some damn class?" Look, he said, "Do you know who Doughboy is? Do you know who he is?" I said, "Yeah." Well, stop acting and fucking be Doughboy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, that right there got me through the movie and through most of my career, you know, that advice right there. Well, it's interesting because, like, your early work tends to be more dramatic and, and you know, you did uh, Walter Hill, you did Trespass with Walter Hill, which mm-hmm. me, me and Chris mm. were reminiscing about the other day. Friends, oh, yeah. 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 But, but your first script, the first thing you actually wrote was uh, a comedy and, mm-hmm. and obviously... This is a comedy, and you've, you've done a lot of comedy in your time. So yeah. how has that become the kind of your, your favorite genre? Well, growing up in my neighborhood, comedy was a big part of that. You know, it was hardcore, you know, it was uh, gang-infested neighborhoods, you know, LAPD dealing with, you know, crack cocaine and all this, that, and the other. But the people there are very funny, and they like to laugh, and... They like to make each other laugh, and that's that was a big part of the neighborhood. And in doing movies and records, you know, Boys in the Hood and from straight out of Compton and stuff like that, people just saw one side of who we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 I felt like it wasn't the full representation of how I grew up. So Friday was really how I saw the world growing up. You know, it was kind of. You know, all this this chaotic neighborhood, but we had fun with it. We laughed at people. We, we you know, entertained ourselves. We, you know, uh, it was funny to see somebody break in somebody's house and almost get caught. You know, that was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those were things that uh, we kind of tripped on. And, and we didn't see it like, oh, my God, we living in this hell hole. And I just felt movies had come out that showed us living in a hellhole, and I didn't feel that way. So hmm. comedies started to, you know, after you do one good comedy, Hollywood, they don't want to s- see nothing else. You know, they're like, yo, bring us another comedy. Bring us another one. Bring us another one. So it's just been like the path of least resistance <laughs> in my career, you know, and um, I'm good at it, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> so who were you? Uh, yeah, absolutely, thank yeah. You, thank you. <clears throat> So who were your uh, comedic heroes then growing up? Who did you look uh, Richard Pryor, yeah. Red Fox, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, uh, Flip Wilson, uh, man, Eddie Murphy, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a few people, you know, uh, Robert Townsend, uh, Robin Harris. You know, it's been a, it's been a few people that, uh, that I love to see you know now my favorite comedians I work with you know Mike Epps and and Kevin Hart and um, you know so Cat Williams and uh, it's been real cool you know John Witherspoon I don't want to leave nobody out. Bernie Mac. <laughs> it's like an acceptance speech now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, did you get to meet any of your heroes, uh, you know, Cosby or, or Richard Pryor, anyone like that? I never met Richard Pryor. You yeah. know, that's a that's a regret in my life. Uh, and I uh, met Bill Cosby, uh, and that was real cool. You know, I was actually honored with Bill Cosby. You know, it was a trip. You know, he was he was being honored for being. Bill Cosby, and you know, I was being honored for gangster rap, and it just—it <laughs> <laughs> was just funny to be up there with him. I've got to ask you because you—you've played a lot of cops, 
Yeah. But you know, you're 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 very famous for writing a song called Fuck the Police. Yes. Uh, how does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of zeros, man. A lot of zeros. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I still feel the same way I feel about cops, but yeah. bad cops, you know, let's, right. let's separate cops, you know, there's good cops who come when you need them and do their job and really are there to protect and serve the people, and then there's the cops I talk about on Fuck the Police, which are the cops that take advantage of their authority, a little abusive, a lot of abusive, and, uh, you know, really are crooked, you know, and yeah. corrupt. So those are the cops I don't think nobody like. Uh, so, you know, I think it, Hollywood, you know, it, it's funny because it's like Hollywood has tried to put me in a twist by like, yo, let's put him in another cop movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mr. Fuck the Police, let's put him in another cop movie. You know, so, but it's cool, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the characters that I've played. You yeah. know, I've been able to to, to bring a uniqueness to them. And, uh, you know, most of the time they're undercover, they're detectives or, you know, I like, I like Captain Dixon, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah, like yeah, Captain Dixon yeah. from 21 Jump Street, you know? So it's, it's just been, it's just, it's been crazy, but it's been fun. And uh, they done paid me a whole lot of money to do so. so. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, research, though, Weiss? Do you go on ride-alongs with cops? Do you, you, you research, do you Man, go method with? I, I don't need no research with those guys. <laughs> I got all the research I needed growing up. So I did enough ride-alongs to know <laughs> the seat is hard and it's very cramped back there. It's better to be in the front, right? It's better to be in the front, no yeah. doubt. No well, doubt. Uh, we're going to take some questions from you guys now. So put your hands up if you want to have a question for Ice. Yeah, absolutely. It's right here in the uh, second row, and then we'll go to you in the uh, fourth row. Hi, Ice. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Uh, what did Bill Cosby say to, uh, say to you, considering in um, in Eddie Murphy Raw he he didn't like uh, Eddie Murphy for his his bad language? Did he did he know who you were, and what did he think of your music? I think he knew who I was. You know, what I mean, I wasn't sure, but I, you know, we didn't get into that. You know, it was all you know pictures and you know acceptance speeches and this, that, and the other. It wasn't really like a sit down discussion, you know, but. Uh, Whatever he would have told me, I probably wouldn't have listened back then anyway, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, I, I, I never would listen to anybody trying to tell me how to do my art, you know? It's like, you go do what you do, let me do what I do, and the world will be all right. <laughs> uh, there was a gentleman over here. Keep your hand, put your hand up again, yeah. Have you got the microphone? Okay. Yeah. Pleasure, sir. Just want to say, you're 30 for 30 about the Raiders. Thank you. Um, Favorite one of the series. I said thank you before he even complimented me. Like, Sorry for jumping the gun, man. He was like, you're 30 for 30. Suck. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Seriously, it was, it was brilliant. Just seeing the way that the, the teams have impacted on your life. Now that the owner's dead, do you think there's a chance you're going to get him back? <laughs> I hope so. You know, it's a dream. Uh, you know, the... And we talking about American football. I know it don't mean shit here, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't have a team in L.A. You know, I'm a big football fan, and uh, we don't have a team, and it sucks to have to go for everybody else. You know, Super Bowl come around, I got to go for another team. So I hope you know if anything good come out of his death is the fact they come back to L.A. If that's something to hope for, you know, that's your question, man. <laughs> Yo, what's up? 
Um, on 21 Jump Street, you obviously get pretty angry in the film. How easily can you just switch that off after shooting, or do you yell at a few runners? No, it's quick. <laughs> yeah, I yell at Jonah Hill till I, you know, till I feel like I'm satisfied. No, <laughs> uh, no it's, it's, it's cool, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like a character that you can go, you can't go f too far with, you know. It's like every time I think I'm over the top, the directors are like, nah, we need it crazier. And, and so, you know, it, it's kind of cool to be able to go there and, you know, I, I turn it off. You know, I'm, you know, when I was broke, I was a lot meaner. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't see how and money makes you a little happier. <laughs> it's funny, you know, but uh, but, you know, I turn it on and off. It ain't nothing but acting. It's, it's fun and it's, it's cool to to like I want to be the craziest captain you've ever seen on screen. You know, I want to be when you think of like. Who's the loudest, meanest, nastiest <laughs> captain you've ever seen? I want it to be me from 21 Jump Street. So hopefully I, you know, I get my wish. Uh, who stands out for you then as an angry police captain in movies right now? Well, I think the angriest guy I seen was in, uh, I think it was Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. That little son of a bitch was mean. <laughs> <laughs> the one that <laughs> kept saying, where's Axel? Where's Axel? And you're walking through there. You know, he was he was the meanest little one. I So he's the one that I'm going after. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the, you know, I'm he, fighting. He was a, he was a real he's cop. He's the one I'm training for, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah, oh, no yeah. Wonder. yeah. He's no never wonder. Done, he's, never, he's never done any <laughs> other acting. That was it. That's yeah, the only no role he's ever played. Yeah. My favorite movie of yours is Three Kings. Fa oh, yeah. Fantastic film. Fantastic. But I've read a lot of crazy stuff about what went down on set. You know, uh, you know, people punching yeah. people and what have you. How was how was it really? Come on, tell us. What it, was it, it like was making crazy. that movie? You know, it was chaos. You know, we had David O. Russell, who's, you know, he's he's a great director, and he he's gonna get the, the performance out of you. Yeah. If it takes all day, he's going to get it out of you. So yeah. <clears throat> you might as well give in and give him what he wants. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to be there. We're not moving the camera. We're not. It's like, man, um, we don't, it's like old school takes, you know, 20, 30 takes, you mm. know. So, uh, you know, it just got heated. You know, this was his first m movie of that budget, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he, he had a lot of plates to spin and then. Him and George wasn't the best of working mates. Yeah. You know, they, they almost went to blows one day. And uh, I was pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> wish we could have got that in the movie. <laughs> but but it, it was cool. You know, when it's all said and done, that movie propelled everybody's career. Mm. You know, uh, from me to Mark Wahlberg, uh, uh, Spike Jones, uh, yeah. David O. Russell, and even George ass. His ass got a little <laughs> bump out of that movie. <laughs> okay, there's a there's person right here, but we'll go back to the back. There were a couple of hands up at the right at the back. You got it? Okay, any good now? Yeah. Oh, I can feel your pain. Nice. It's tough on these things, eh? Yeah, no uh, doubt. It, it's nice to see you in a calmer environment. The last time I saw you, I think it was Reading Festival in 1995. And it was a bit, yeah. more, a bit more chaotic then. A little and more that, hectic, that, huh? That kind of leads me on to my question. If you had to record one more album or create one more film what would you do one more album you know it's it's film is cool it's fun it's fun to go play with others you know what i mean but i i'm not good playing with others you know what i mean <laughs> I, you know so I, I i like to go in the studio and, and do it how i feel it 
and not have to have a meeting about it, you know. And uh, films are are you know a collaboration of more than a hundred people to to bring something to light and make it work. Uh, and with with the studio, I can just go in, me and my engineer, you know, uh, and, and do what I feel, you know. I mean, it's not always the greatest music, you know what I'm saying, but it does do something for me spiritually and uh, it does do something for me creatively to be able to do what I want and not just always have a meeting every time you want to do uh, something and show the people. So, a record, no doubt. Uh, there was a gentleman right here at the back as well. Question on Triple X about being handed the reins to a burgeoning franchise like Triple X. you wish that had gone in a, a slightly different way or were you happy with the end result of that? Yeah, I mean, I wish they would have, you know, I wish a couple of things would have happened. You know, I wish, you know, they would have picked a slightly different director. You know what I mean? Uh, No no offense to Lee Tamahori. You know, I just think he was a little too old school to to really to give the movie the flavor that the audience wanted, which was, you know, more born identity feel, you know, so. That's one thing, and I wish they would have let us promote the movie. You know, you have me, Samuel L. Jackson, William Defoe, and you don't let us go do press. And it just was, it was crazy, and it was a big mistake, and uh, they paid for it. But, you know, uh, I get a movie, to me, in my heart, you know, about a B minus. Yeah. You know, yeah. So why, why did they not let you uh, do press? Were you guys, did they give you a reason? Did they say, we don't, you know, we don't want you, know, you talking about it? Well, they it, thought or? the franchise would, would, uh, would work on its own, yeah. and you know, and and I had just fired my manager from CAA, so that might have been a big deal to <laughs> my agent. I just fired him, so maybe that was a big deal. Right. Never know. Uh, there was a guy here in the uh, second row. <clears throat> Hello, yo. Um, if a fight had broken out between George Clooney and David Russell, where would you have put your money down? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> George can fight in in the movies if you script it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but David was he was a mad lion that day. You know what I mean? You couldn't he had so much pressure on him. He was like he wanted a piece of somebody, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I think I think David would have rushed him. I think I think David would have got him that day. Now on a different day, you never know, but that day, nah, David was too fired up, you know. He was veins popping. You know, <laughs> he was hot. Definitive. You've met, you've, you've been, you've talked to David since? Presumably. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Me and David are real cool. Yeah. Cause there's, uh, you guys going to work together? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a project on the IMDb that has your names attached to it. Is yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah. We've, we've talked about working together. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll come, you know, to fruition. But, you know, he's, he's, a, he's on a, a great run right now. And uh, so, you know, he need to keep doing movies with the actors he's getting them Oscars with. And, you know, when that play out, you know, hit me up, Russell. Hit me up, David. <laughs> so something else you got in the works is actually an NWA movie. Is that yes. right? Yeah. How's That's that going? That's my baby right there. Yeah. Uh, we're in pre-production right now. And, uh, you know, we're casting the movie. And hopefully we'll be shooting soon. And, wow. you know, I can, I can bring this story to light. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things that went into forging NWA. Mm. Um, it's like the neighborhood created NWA and then NWA 
recreated the neighborhood. So it, it, it's 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 a complex story, uh, and you know I can't wait to tell it. Yeah, and is Dre involved as well? Oh yeah, Dre is yeah. a producer. Uh, we have uh, Easy E's Estate uh, has uh, signed off on the Yellow Ran. You know everybody's involved, so you know, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna bring it to light and show you what's up with the world's most dangerous group. Sounds great, can't yeah. wait. You, you got a time frame in that ice, or are you gonna? Well, you know we're gonna shoot it and we'll put it out when it's when the timing is right. You know, uh, I don't want to just put a date on the movie and and make us kind of rush towards that date. I'd rather do everything right. You know, I'm, I'm taking my time with this one. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Ice Cube, everybody. Thank you. So appreciate it. So this is the, uh, the, the part of the show where you guys get to ask us stuff. It's a very popular section of the podcast. Uh, so do you have any questions for us? Oh, Christ oh almighty. Uh, okay, uh, I think I'm going to let you get your revenge for the point break thing, and you can ask us a question. Um, it sounds like a great job working for Empire. What's your favourite ever moment for, from working for Empire? Apart from this moment? No. Yeah, apart from this moment. Helen. <laughs> Oh, oh, podcast. And you win a Captain Phillips Blu-ray just for asking that question. <laughs> Look at that. And he said visits. Or... Uh, Helen, let's start with you and then we'll... Uh, set visits. Uh, I've, been, I've been to some awesome ones. I've seen uh, flaming vampires jumping out of a burning building into artificial snow. I mean, it wasn't a great film. It was 30 Days of Night. Uh, but that was cool. I was, I was standing there watching that thinking... This is what movie making is supposed to be about. This is cool. Um, I've been on set of Harry Potter. I was on set of 300. Hello. Um, <laughs> actually, that was, no, that was James sent me there. It was a while ago. Thanks. <laughs> but Dan sent me to Maleficent, which was a very cool one as well, because, uh, you know, Angelina Jolie with the horns. But, you know, gorgeous forest sets and, and just amazing landscapes on that, which you're going to see this summer. So, yeah, those are my favorites, I guess. Um, <clears throat> there's been so many I mean this is pretty awesome to be honest but uh, interviewing I had to do a pint of milk with Eric Cantona and, <laughs> and um, I, you know when you do a pint of milk interview you know you have to ask that the how hairy is your ass question and he was probably going to have some sort of Jean-Paul Sartre style answer for me so I was building myself up for it but what I hadn't realised was that you know because we do interviews in the office on the telephone and normally everyone just gets on with it Everyone in the office had, like, as the interview had gone on, had kind of gathered round behind me, <laughs> waiting for me to ask this question. And uh, and I said, um, I think, uh, apologies for this story's been run, run through before. Yeah. yeah, but I said, um, I said, so how hairy is your ass? But I forgot to say on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> so it just becomes a sort of conceptual, philosophical question. And uh, he didn't hear me anyway. He thought I said, how hairy is your ass? Um, so uh, we never really got an answer but if he had heard me it would have been about half an hour of just philosophical discourse about his arse hair Um, I'm I'm sure his house is airy we should start introducing that question on a scale of 1 to 10 how airy is your house (laughs) and see what we get back Yes. Amazing. Um, uh, I have one more. Yeah. Um, Michael Caine was sort of a, a, a hero, obviously, I think, for a lot of people as well. But growing up, I uh, loved Michael Caine and all his movies, uh, especially The Swarm. And um, I interviewed him for 
um, I guess it was Harry Brown a few years ago, and it was in, in a hotel which was also sharing a junket for uh, Entourage. Entourage had like a DVD or a Blu-ray release of some description, and Terry Gilliam's film, um, I can't remember what, which one it was, sorry, Dan. Um, it would have been Parnassus, yeah. So there was a, it was a sort of Junkageddon in the hotel, and I sort of mentioned on the way out to... Uh, to Michael Caine that you know there were so many of these junkets going on and and he said oh, what is it and I went entourage and he went oh, I've heard of that what's it about and you have to forgive my <laughs> you have to forgive my Michael Caine impression but I said it's about this young actor who is uh, you know coming up he's sort of coming up in the business in Hollywood he's become big and he's basically just hangs out with loads and loads of beautiful women and he goes I know that reminds me of when I was young <laughs> and I was just like great <laughs> I will go now and be happy forever and he A-plums. always has been. And I've been yeah. happy ever since. Yeah. I've never been on the set of a film. And nor have you. <laughs> so that's that. But I think if we're sharing embarrassing stories, my first ever video interview was with Clive Owen. And uh, you've told us, I think, badly before. But um, I, I walked in my first video interview. What they do is there's, there's a person with a little microphone that's like, 10 four, And they just kind of send you in and they put you into a room and then you have to wait a couple of seconds and then you sit down or whatever. This person came in and was like, um, nine or ten go, and then just told me, he said, he said, go sit over there. And he pointed at this sofa, which wasn't in front of Clive Owen. It's a video interview. And, and he points over to this the sofa, and I went, all right. So I sit on the sofa, and Clive Owen just stares at me like I've just shat myself and goes, you silly twonk, you sit in front of me, here. And then points at the seat that was obviously where I was meant to sit. Then I look at the questions and realise that the guy was meant to be taking me to the director and I was surprised by the fact that it was Clive Owen. I sat down and looked at all of my questions. They were all for the director of this film. Looked at my questions, looked up, and he had his fist out in front of me and he was going... (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I was essentially a shower. My glasses fell off. My... it was awful. Um, this was Ali's favourite moment. And, and of course, word got <laughs> yeah. around. And so this was the London Film Festival. And Chris came up to me and said, I had the strangest question earlier today. Someone said, are you the prick that sat in the wrong chair? <laughs> at the Clive Owen interview. And I was going, ha, ha, ha. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I chip in with one final thing? Go on then. It's sort of half answer, half promotion. So it's sort of a promo answer. Oh, is this your cinematographer's thing? <laughs> Spoilers. Go on then. No, it's fine. It's brilliant. I like. It is genuinely brilliant. I like Promancer there. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing tone of voice work there. <laughs> well, well done. It's brilliant. No, it's a good. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I interviewed twenty-one Hollywood cinematographers. Uh, we had um, Roger Deakins and Bruno Debelnel. Is that how you mm. pronounce it? It De is Bunel. Um and um, Michael Slovis, who shot Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Um, Barry Aykroyd, who works with Paul Greengrass. Anyway, I interviewed them about their favourite moment in in cinema basically the favorite, their favourite shot or sequence or camera move or uh, pretty much without exception they all said I can't pick just one so I had to spend the first like 10 minutes apologising for the question at the beginning of every interview but they all picked one in the end um, and we posted that on the website today mm-hmm. so if you could all go home and like, read it it's a, <laughs> immediately it's a, that would you know, be look, great. it's a must read it's, I, it's, I loathe complimenting Phil yeah. and it's very very good it's very very good it's very very good uh, oh, there was an amazing moment just before we, we came out here um, I tweeted that earlier on today going it's a must read and uh, some guy tweeted this back going oh no Emmanuel Lubetsky no dice <laughs> Just, it's like the hardest to please guy in the universe you've got 21 the greatest cinematographers 
on the planet. No, I'm sorry, you don't have the guy who did gravity. I was it Alfonso Cuaron. It was Alfonso Cuaron, yeah. I was um, a, a part of my job is to nuke the inappropriate comments on Facebook, and one of them, one of them beneath that feature was, oh, not in GIF form. Oh, I won't be reading this. <laughs> And I'm thinking, yeah, Roger Deakins going, oh, that's a great gif. Oh, look at that. I'm shooting unbroken in gif. <laughs> Isn't it chiff now, anyway? Yeah, but that guy's a... The guy, <laughs> the guy, the guy's a prat. Mr. Jif is, is a prat. A jit. But, I mean, I, I, I actually think both of those comments are on a par with the guy who said of our Godzilla subscribers cover, the really stylized cover, they said uh, that it was a spoiler. <laughs> it's got helicopters in it Guys, Godzilla is in that movie And I think he, he might be in a lot of the movie actually What? Uh, should, we, should we have another question? Should we have another question? Yes, absolutely uh, Maybe, okay, yes, you in the second row Oh my god, there's so many of you uh, Yes, you in the second row and then you yes. and then you And then I'll try and get some people down here I'm so sorry, I can only see us this far my question is, what is the worst film that you've had to put on the front cover of Empire magazine? <laughs> and please don't say it's Godzilla or Days of Future Past. We hope not. We haven't seen them. Uh, and I hope they're very, very good. Um, the worst? Uh, uh, well, God. Uh, da Which Vinci's one? All Saints. We didn't put that on the cover. Did that, that, that's we a put, female pop a group. Little, we, that wasn't the main component of the cover. There was a, They were on the cover. You're nitpicking now. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code was on the cover. Da Vinci Code was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Triple X. Uh, Van uh, Helsing. <laughs> no, not number two, sadly. Although many would say that film is number two. Um, yeah. <laughs> Van Helsing was on the cover. and even Van Helsing. As a Van Helsing. I, my God, I was so in the tank for Van Helsing. I was so excited about Van Helsing. Hugh Jackman and monsters and Dracula and werewolves and all. And then uh, slowly I went beep. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, truck. Um, yeah. The film industry is full of controversy. New ones pop up every time. In your opinion, which ones do you feel were most blown out proportion? The, the controversies in film that have been the most controversial. So I'm editing this, and you expect any answer we're about to give to stay in. Just to double check. <laughs> Chris, do you want to go first? No, not particularly. I mean, the biggest controversy I can think of is the fact that is a complete and utter... <laughs> <laughs> and it isn't true. I heard that, actually. Yeah. Uh, can we have another question? Mm. It wasn't a bad question. It's it was just, a good yeah. question. It's, yeah, just, you know. Oh, good. Yeah, Ali, you pick. Um, I'm too close to this. You pick. Uh, uh, I pick the man with two hands. Uh. <laughs> Fine, that helps. Um... First, hello, Pod, and also, what was it like having Steven Spielberg as your editor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask the question when I wasn't there. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to go either. For some reason, James, the online editor, took that bullet for both of us. What was it like? It was very lovely. He gave me a 50% rise. and uh, <laughs> Two pounds an hour. Two pounds an hour. Look at no, that. I mean... It, listen, we were excited by proxy, but the, the sort of the, the senior staff on the magazine all did fly over to LA and have a fairly lengthy sit-down meeting with him where he was literally pitching ideas, saying yes or no to the ideas that they'd brought, suggesting changes to the ideas that they'd brought. Like it was proper editor stuff, and that's pretty cool. Um, really cool. So you know, even by proxy, I'm excited by it still. Yeah, I met him when we, we uh, reunited the Goonies in L.A., and he came along for the photo shoot and that. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was really involved in that issue. Uh, yeah, perhaps more than I've been in any issue, to be honest. Um, 
But yeah, it was it was it was great fun. Great fun having him on board. Uh, any other questions, guys? Yes, there's someone. Okay, I'll leave you. I hope I'm right about this, otherwise you're going to have a go at me for listening improperly. Um, but on one of the very early podcasts, I remember Helen saying that she was going to go and watch a film in D-Box, and she was going to report back on what she thought it was like. And I don't remember hearing anything about it, so I'd just like to know what you guys back. thought, and whether it's going to be good or bad for the cinema industry. Do you remember this, Helen? Um, I, I probably did. I went to see The Avengers for the millionth time in D-Box, and it's, I mean, it's a total gimmick. In that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any kind of narrative sense. You know, it's not like you're you're sort of experiencing what the character feels because all sorts of crazy stuff happens and you feel all of it. Um, but it's really good fun. So so basically, you know, anytime somebody shot a gun, you'd sort of get a little jolt from your seat. Every time there was an explosion, it'd sort of rumble. Um, anytime anybody was flying, it would sort of kind of levitate a little bit and move around. Um, so, you guys yeah. have got that now. We've installed it in all your seats. Yeah, you're getting, the, you're getting the full as effect. As soon as right? there is a good bit, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> any minute, any minute. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it, it's not exactly, you know, narratively coherent or, or thematically important to your, you know... And, and you went to see it for Blue's Warm's Colour as well, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'll be, I'll be using it again for Stranger by the Lake, yeah. Phil, why don't you choose one? Do you do the very back? Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> yes. Just throw the mic. The, the most difficult person in the entire cinema to get a microphone that's to, that him. guy. Firstly, thank you so much for making the last hour on a Friday of work bearable. So thank you very much for that. What um, do you my do for question, <laughs> what my do you question do? is, um, with all the big tentpoles coming in uh, 2015, uh, what do you think this means for the British cinema? Well, Star Wars is being... Um, that's a movie, right? That's a British uh, that movie. That is a movie. Um, that's in, being in, shot. That's being shot here. Yeah. In the UK. As is Avengers, as Age is of Avengers. Ultron. Yeah, ILM is, is moving a branch. It's a good question. There is an issue with studio space, I believe, isn't there? Which is why Edgar Wright shooting Ant-Man in... Is it... Atlanta. In Atlanta, right. Atlanta. Because I think all of the major studios are fully booked mm. because of the number of blockbusters that are shooting at the moment. Not enough room for Ant-Man. But does that suffocate... Do you mean does that suffocate... <laughs> <laughs> Retweet that. <laughs> Do you mean like, like what does it mean for smaller British films trying to get like uh, screens? But no idea. Well, <laughs> I think all right. No, in in all seriousness, I think there's there is uh, an increasing. Uh, divide in movie making generally between the giant tentpole blockbusters and the only other things that can get made which are really tiny. I mean, I've heard uh, filmmakers talk about you have to be under five million to get a film made. And if you have anything, I mean, um, Gary Oldman talked about it in the podcast recently. If you're aiming for a budget of 20 million, 30 million, you're in really, really tough times. It is very, very difficult to get anything that sort of size made. Um, So yeah, there is a squeeze in the middle. Um, and that's a problem. I think that having loads of people working in the British film industry in whatever capacity in this country can only be a good thing. And if there comes a moment where they're not busy with Hollywood stuff, they'll probably be make themselves busy with something else. Um, but, you know, the thing is Harry Potter especially created an entire generation of incredibly skilled British people who are experts, the world experts in especially effects and all that kind of stuff. They are the best in the world right now for this sort of stuff. So it makes sense that they're doing it. Uh, Helen, you picked the last question. Oh, God. Pressure. What? Um, I really enjoyed the Guardian of the Galaxy trailer. It's really cool. It's going to be good fun and everything. What is your opinion on the fact that Marvel cannot sign a freaking 
female lead movie yet. Helen. <laughs> well, I think I think they're developing one, aren't they, with uh, Black no, Widow? That's not true. Is that not that true? Was, that was that's a rumor. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on that? And There's a, a paucity, and this is a, a I think that goes back a long, long way to superheroes from the way that the superhero comic genre has developed in the 60s and 70s. There's a paucity of female superheroes out there, especially, I would imagine, in the Marvel Universe. It's something they've addressed over the last few years. I think that Kevin Feige is a very, very smart guy. He's clearly very, very aware of it. I feel, I feel, and Helen, you may agree with me on this or not, there may be a reluctance, or not to take a gamble, whether audiences will show up in huge numbers mm. for a movie that's, that's you know, top-lined by a female. But I would love to see a Black Widow movie. Uh, yeah, that would, I, that would be amazing. I think Captain Marvel is yep. probably is one of the ones that's been rumoured. Um, I'm very hopeful for that. I'm very hopeful that it would be Katie Sackhoff, which would make perfect sense to me. Um, I, I th- listen, if they can make a film about a, 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 a you know, raccoon with a machine gun, they can make a film about a woman. So what? I know. I, I, You're I'm going to dream the dream. <laughs> You're a communist. But... but uh, uh, but a woman voiced by Bradley Cooper, right? Obviously a woman voiced by Bradley Cooper. I mean, what else are you so going to do? Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Our next guest is one of Britain's fastest rising young actors. He's been uniformly excellent in everything that he's been in, whether it's Son of Rambo, We're the Millers, or Wild Bill. Uh, he recently won the EE Rising Star Award this year's BAFTAs, pipping the likes of Dane DeHaan, Lea Seydoux, and Lupita Nyong'o to the prize. Please give it up massively. He may well have brought his Wheeler Miller's prosthetic ball bag with him. You never know. <laughs> Please give it up. Will Poulter! Well, my heart was in my mouth when you started jumping around the, the desk there. <laughs> so was mine. So was we could mine. have lost you. That, that has a drop of at least two, maybe even three feet. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Uh, so I, I want to start off by saying congratulations, not only on the EE Rising Star Awards, uh, but also on your nomination for the uh, Gemison Empire Awards. Congratulations, Thank sir. Thank you. Oh, thanks yeah. very much. Uh, now, the E! Rising Star Award and the Jemison Empire Award for Best Newcomer, you've been in the business for about 47 years now, so <laughs> does that seem strange to you that people are still seeing you in this light? Oh my gosh, not, not at all, man. I mean, especially when you know, I look at the people that I was nominated with, and if we talk about the Empire Awards to be in the same category as you know, Oscar Isaac and, uh, mm. and, and the like is kind of just r- ridiculous to me. Um, uh, uh, but I'm very, very grateful all the same, and it's... Uh, it's a huge honour, particularly because I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Empire. Uh, I have like 300 Empire magazines uh, in my room. So, uh, so yeah, collected over the 47 years I've been alive. <laughs> so, so I'm not that much of a fan, really. It's like <laughs> no, clearly. Two a year. And, you know. Well, we've only been going for 25 years. So <laughs> it's all all right. Do you collect multiple covers? Are you one of those people? Uh, yeah, I, uh, when, when the Dark Knight cover came out, I, uh, I got the, um, the Batman cover, which obviously, you know, naturally... That's very exciting, but mm. but uh, after I saw the film, uh, I I actually went on eBay to try and get hold of a uh, <laughs> uh, a Joker cover just because uh, that for me is I think I think genuinely Heath Ledger's performance in that is the yeah. most inspirational like performance of I've ever seen in forty seven years. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm gonna recall that joke so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna see how much mileage it's one. got. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you subscribe, Will? Do you subscribe? Uh, I'm, su- I'm a you subscriber. Do, you do. So you're yeah. gonna get this one. Uh, I fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Then. Yeah. Just, Post office does its job. Just take yeah. one. Just punch one of us and take one. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. Your your Twitter profile says, 
uh, obsessed with Nike trainers, mm-hmm. bit of product placement there, uh, and got it. I'll never make it as a rapper. Mm. Now, did you meet Ice on the way out? Did you? Do you know? Do you know how much pressure there is to come on after a man whose first name is Ice? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's terrifying to try and be. I mean, and that's just the least cool white boy <laughs> you've ever seen. Um, yeah, uh, there was there was a lot of pressure, but I did I did see him walk past and kind of. You know, give each other a thumbs up. He's uh, he's very very cool. It's so there was no time for tips, presumably. Uh, as you pass no, each other in the no. Corridor. As I passed, on, I was like, any lyrics? No, and gone. <laughs> he'd, he'd gone. So uh, yeah. So you never made it as a rapper. Did you want to be a rapper or? Uh, yeah. Um, do you know what? I'm I'm like a big hip hop fan. I'm a big fan of rap. It's kind of all I, I listen to it every single day, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm gonna. Um, I was gonna say treat the world. That's not it at all. Uh, <laughs> I I don't want the world to suffer. Uh, by hearing my music, so I'm going to keep it under lock and key. Um, uh, but I am a big fan, and I, I'm going to stick to listening. But a lot of actors do it. A lot of actors, when they get to a certain stage, mm. a certain level, they they think, okay, I can now go into the recording studio, cut an album. I believe that's the phrase, <laughs> and uh, and unleash it. I believe that's also the phrase upon unsuspecting public. Is that something you might do at some point? I've contemplated like doing it incognito, you know. Uh-huh. So like maybe like a brown paper bag with I'm not an actor anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> Ice bag, yeah. Just That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. You may have given it away. Yeah, I have now. Yeah, I've got to. Ch- I've got to think of something else. The game something is else. up. So, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, We Are the Millers. Mm. I think because I think that movie has more than any other movie rocketed you into people's consciousness. And I mentioned the prosthetic ball bag. I yeah, apologize for that'll that. Do it. That'll do it. Do you it. still have it? Is that something you took as a souvenir? It's, it's uh, mounted on the wall of my local pub. Um, <laughs> it's like moose head, ball bag, moose heads. No, no, I, I don't have it. Um, it was, yeah, that was a really weird thing. It's like the kind of thing that most people kind of t- talk about, you know, or, or, or they mention, if I, if I ever get stopped for a photo or anyone, people will be like, how are your balls? Or something like that. You know, just, <laughs> it's a strange, strange thing to experience. But, um, but yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a mental kind of feature of the, of the movie. And it was like sort of three hours in prosthetic makeup. And it's kind of what the guys in Lord of the, like a lot of the guys in Lord of the Rings go through, just like south, you know, just like, <laughs> just like it all happens below the waistline. Uh, so it's not only, uh, you know, uh, painstaking, it's also pretty awkward, especially for Tony, the dude who uh, had to apply that, so drafted in especially, poor dude. Uh, I, 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 what I, I drafted in especially? What, what, what he sort of specializes in. Uh, what have you got you know, down there that somebody prosthetic, needs to bring someone in? Prosthetic, yeah, no, I'm not trying to. Yeah, exactly. No, it's. Um, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> careful. Uh, it's life, it's life, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, uh, Tony is an expert in making um, penises. Each uh, pubic hair. Is uh, individually um, applied, so you can imagine having a conversation with someone kind of like this for three hours while he does that is like it's it's imagine the most awkward conversation you've ever had times a million. It's just it's very difficult to keep things flowing. But he was um, he was a very good sport. Now, Will, I'm going to stop. Stop it. I'm gonna stop. Will, I actually, I've interviewed you before, and I, I, you know, I forgive you for not remembering, but it was doing, we were doing the DVD of Son of Rambo, wow. and it was you and Bill together. And I've got to say, I watched We're the Millers. On the boat, right? On the, on no, the it was on a boat. It was here, it was here in London, just oh, in what? the studio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, anyway, okay. It's fine. It's fine. You okay. don't have to remember. No, no, sorry. The point is, uh-huh. the point is, watching We're the Millers, you know, and that's the last time I've met you, and then there you are, sat between Jennifer Aniston and Emma Roberts, yeah. snogging both of them. Yeah. What the? <laughs> what the? Yeah. 
How, I mean, that's got to, you know, that's got to have been another pretty awkward moment for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a really, that was, I mean, obviously a bizarre moment. Um, I just kind of felt sorry for them. It was like one of those things <laughs> where, um, you know, you read it in the script and you go, well, that's going to be an awkward day at work, but you can't exactly feel sorry for yourself, can you? you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's, it was a strange one. But yeah, that, that was one of those scenes that felt like it was, you know, going on forever. And, and every time director was like, okay, new setup, you could see Jen being like, oh my God. <laughs> really kind of thing um, but they were very good sports about it and you know I think uh, for Kenny and I think for me personally that's about as good as it's going to get so uh, uh, yeah it's all downhill from here yeah. a, a sequel's just been announced or at least they have a writer now attached mm. to the sequel um, are you coming back is that something that, that might be I, do you know what I can't make a comment on that I, mm. I, do, I do not know um, I hope so um, hopefully Kenny keeps his trousers on in the second one. I'm hoping that there's, you know, Tony isn't going to have to come back. Uh, we've run out of conversation, so if he, if he comes back, it's going to be pure silence uh, while he applies every single pube individually. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. But yeah, I, of course, you know, if, yeah. if, if there's a second one, I would, I would love to be involved. And did you get a sense of that movie in a way transformed things for you, that, it, that people saw you in a different light almost after that? I mean... Um, yeah, I don't. I you know I don't know. I, I I don't really have like a perspective of myself in a mm. way. Like I don't really know how other people see me or what what they expect from me. Or mm. you know, I mean, I've been really fortunate to do a you know a really nice kind of range of things, and I'm mm. really grateful for that opportunity that I've been able to do drama and comedy. But I think this was it's a literally it's a balls out comedy. You know what I mean? It's like it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's so out there. It's like aggressively comedic at times and and so that was fun but i but i i i I, if i'm being totally honest my kind of real passion is for drama so Mm. um i've had a great opportunity to do um some drama you know since then um and i'm really really excited to continue with that but i want to try and be able to do a combination of both just because my heroes and the guys that i kind of admire most have always done both you know i like Mm. robin williams was kind of like one of my heroes growing Mm. up um philip seymour hoffman the late philip seymour hoffman which is just one of the biggest losses I think the acting world will ever see. Um, so the, the guys who could do both and, and would always surprise people and were unrecognizable from from their previous kind of mm. um, uh, role. So, yeah. So in that respect as well, what did the, uh, the BAFTA mean for you? Um, gosh, it, it, it's so lovely to be recognized by that panel for that nomination, you know, first and foremost, and, and to be put in a category with... And genuinely, I know people always say it's so amazing to be nominated with you know these other nominees or whatever. But I, I, I'm genuine. I'm a genuine fan of every single person in in that category. So for me to win, it was always going to feel like an injustice, you know. Um, but so lovely, and, I, and I'm so grateful to everyone who voted. I've had the most incredible support, you know, on Twitter and, and from people who support me. Um, I hate the term fans. It's just like, <laughs> that should be reserved for what's on the ceiling. That's kind of a weird thing. But people who <laughs> are kind enough to watch what I do and, 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 and if that makes an impression on them, that's awesome. But yeah, though, they're like a massive thanks to those people because, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that I couldn't have won that award without their support. So um, it's lovely. And I'm killing myself about forgetting Dane's name because <laughs> I literally love that dude. Like, you know, George is a very good friend of mine, but Dane, yeah. without a doubt, and I, and I think George feels the same way, is... I think is one of the best actors of of my generation. I think and will prove himself to be. Um, uh, he's phenomenal. He inspires me. He's kind of one of those people that I feel like I'm trying to chase. You know, he's mm. he's unreal. And um, so yeah, I've got his email address and I've been drafting a sorry email for the last like three days. 
and I just can't quite bring myself to send it because I'm just worried it's not sorry enough, you know? Yeah. Um, the subject is sorry. <laughs> so is it, kind of is kicking it a, off with a good start. Yeah. It's a sorry Dean. It is, yeah. That's, that's not it a is. good start. I've actually devised an individual email address for it, and it's willpolt at I'm really sorry Dean dot com. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get sorry in there as much as possible. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll forgive me. Um, can you tell us about The Maze Runner? Because that's a big film you've got coming up. I, I don't want to seem like a complete idiot who hasn't done his research and, and Helen will kill me for, for, no. for being so dumb about this, but mm. does the film actually involve a lot of running around in a maze? <laughs> Corn smuggling, yeah. Okay. It's, um, <laughs> no, maze Runner is... Um, that's one, that one's filtering yeah. through. Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, it was yeah. a stretch, it was a stretch. <laughs> uh, it's also the kind of joke you'd find in a cracker. Um, uh, uh, it does involve so my character never actually ventures into the maze um, right. I don't know if anyone's read the book but but, but um, I play Galley and, and I, I never actually venture into the maze sort of and um, uh, but the film is kind of split between the glade and the maze the glade mm. is this kind of manufactured um, environment you know where uh, a group of children are trapped and uh, some people take it upon themselves to, to sort of beat the maze kind of thing um, but yeah, it's kind of set between the two. And, and visually, I think it's going to be a really, really stunning film without, without it kind of a, detracting from, you know, the, the focus, which should always really be, you know, um, emotional. Um, Wes Ball is uh, like a complete visionary. He's amazing. Hmm. Like he's just, the dude's awesome. And being directed by Wes Ball is the coolest thing in the world because he, he literally explains every moment like it's the, like it's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> Like he literally just stepped out of the best movie you've ever seen. And he's like, <laughs> and you know, like he provides all the sound effects and everything. It's amazing. It comes alive, you know. Um, so that was really, really cool. And I, I really hope that Maze Runner continues and, 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 and it, you know, becomes a, a series of, of, mm. of great films. Fantastic. Uh, any questions for Will from you guys? Uh, yes, please, sir. Right here in the second row. The microphone is wending its way towards you. Maybe. Yes, it is. Good wending. Top wending. Hello, Will. Hey, man, um, how's it going? Were you present in the scene in where the Millers, where Jennifer Aniston does the strip? And if you were, what was your eyeline? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, that, that's the question I get in, like, bars, you know? Like, when <laughs> dudes are drunk, be like, dude, were you there? <laughs> were you there? You there to see it? Um... But uh, no, no, that's fair enough. That's representing the, you know, the male sector, I guess, with that question. I, uh, I was present, um, but we kind of shot it in a way that obviously, you know, um, uh, gave, gave Jenna moments of privacy. And, and, uh, and then when the camera turned around, you know, we, um, Jen no longer needed to be there and, and there was, you know, someone else performing it and whatever. So we made sure that we uh, made it as comfortable for her as possible. You know, it's like, I think for any female actress in that kind of situation, you need to be mindful of the fact that the majority of crews these days, and that's sort of changing, but the majority of crews these days are, you know, are, are male. So um, that can be very, very kind of like nerve wracking, et cetera, for her. Um, so yeah, we did it in the most kind of respectful, you know, modest way possible. Yeah. Was, was that shot before or after the testicle scene and the kissing yeah, scene? Yeah, in ascending awkwardness. That was, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I think, I, think we'd got, I think we'd got testicle shooting out the way. Did we get that out the way? It was literally by the side of a road as well, like a main road. And you see we were in their cars just like, <laughs> like 
what is that kid do? And is that a pineapple? Oh. Um, people were very, very, uh, very shocked to see that. In North Carolina as well, just like... Oh, wow. Just like, what is going on? Yeah. Okay. Um, were you a fan of Friends before you shot with the Millers? And if so, how starstruck were you in front of Jennifer Aniston? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm actually huge. I never really told Jen, but I'm a huge Friends fan. Like, huge. Me and my sister, since childhood, have collected the box set, effectively. We did that before they released the box set. I don't know if you know, but HMV's had some great deals recently. So I wish we'd kind of waited a little bit. But uh, yeah, we did. And um, I've watched every episode and, you know, I, I've admired her work. She's, she's a phenomenal comedian. I don't think she gets enough credit, actually. I think she's underrated. Um, uh, but yeah, and I, I, you know, it's funny. The first time I met her, I mispronounced my own name. <laughs> It's not a long name either. You, you, sort of. You didn't say anus to me, did just, you? No, I just kind of. No, I just. I just. She said, "Hi, I'm Jen." And I just went, "Ah." <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, she knew I was British, but she didn't know I was, you know, whatever from a different planet. Um, and so after that moment, it was fine, and we kind of joked about it. And then, um, you know, we, she's just. A, she's just a lovely woman. She's kind of. She's so nice and kind of normal that you kind of forget that she is this galactically famous person, you know. Um, and she was very, very cool. So the, the star struck kind of thing kind of, I guess, kind of wore off just because she's so lovely, you know. I'm going to put you on the spot now as a Friends yeah. fan. Favorite friend? Wow. Character, not actor? Ross. Ross, why? Uh, I just think David Schwimmer <laughs> is... Uh, I think David Schwimmer is a really... Or just a really gifted performer. I just, I just love him, and I feel like even if he didn't have the best material, he always kind of, I don't know, he just always made the the, the most of whatever he had. I just, yeah, and I just admire him. All right. <clears throat> no, I didn't. Is that good? <laughs> I'll check it out. I can check it out. Any other David Schwimmer recommendations for Will? Yeah. While Ma- we're here? Ma- Madagascar. <laughs> Did you hear David Schwimmer in Madagascar? Uh-huh. And uh, favorite Friends episode? I'm gonna really put you on the spot. Oh wow, um, that's really difficult. Oh my gosh, that's really on the spot. Take ten minutes. Think um, uh, God, the penis questions were less awkward than this. I can't <laughs> think of any. Um, uh, favorite. This never came up with Tony. I know. Oh, sorry, but this never came up, and you were talking to Tony. Hello, Tony. My favorite Friends episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. It's the one with something. It's I'm, I'm, I'm almost gonna, definitely right. Yeah, yeah. Almost definitely. It's one of those. It's the uh, yeah, right. the one with the pressure of entertaining. We'll, we'll, we'll f- come back to that yeah. one, later on, and <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go to some other questions. Yes, yeah, so there were people up. There was a guy in the second row. Yes, yes, you sir. Uh, I'm not sure whether you heard Ice's interview earlier on, but if you <laughs> do decide to go on uh, an alternative direction and perform as Ice Bag uh, as the rapper, <laughs> can we look forward to seeing you then trying to be the world's angriest white police captain in a future role? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so sorry. So what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> Is that just a? I, I yeah. Uh, sorry. What? So was there a question or was it? Did you? What, what did you say? Sorry. I can't. Oh, can you? Sorry. 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 Um, I can't grow facial hair, so that's one issue. I feel like there's going to be another continuity issue. Uh, but maybe you know, buddy cops of are, are, are buddy cop kind of um, films are always fun. You know, um, and. Uh, I watched The Heat as well last year with uh, Sandra Bullock and um, and Melissa McCarthy. That was fun. So uh, yeah, maybe you never you never know. You never know. So a few people who've asked about the about your rapping skills, mm. but I just remember that you did the rap from uh, No Scrubs by T 
by uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez yeah. in Where the Millers. Do you remember that? And would you would you like to perform <laughs> that now? <laughs> or were you on Ice Cube left? Because if I do it while he's here, uh, um, you know what? I <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I have been asked to do that a couple of times, um, and uh, I as I say that the, the, the um, my rap alter ego is um, firmly locked away. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it, unfortunately. But um, I, I I was drunkenly I was made to do it like drunkenly. Um, uh, on my 21st uh, which was like in, in January just recently and uh, it was pretty embarrassing I have to say <laughs> on my 21st um, but I, I did it and that was the first and first and last time since that since that movie so brilliant well Will thanks so much for coming in best of luck at the Jameson Empire Awards thanks and uh, maybe nice. next time you're in you can actually think of your favourite friends episode that would I, be, I will that would do be that. a good thing <laughs> I will come, do that come armed with that knowledge That'd be I will brilliant. do that uh, please give it up for Will Polder everybody guys. thank you <laughs> Uh, it is now time to turn our attention to this week's reviews. Now, a little caveat here. Uh, this week is probably the worst week in history <laughs> for major releases. That said, let's start with Nonstop, in which Liam Neeson uh, plays a US Air Marshal who was born in Northern Ireland. Uh, he becomes the target of an evil killer while aboard a transatlantic flight. So, Alistair Plum, <laughs> gearing yourself up for this one. What did you think of Nonstop? We gave this one star. <laughs> I'm saying that to you now. We gave it one star. Uh, now, there are plenty of films uh, which are schlocky action movies that are about a guy who faces incredible odds, takes them all on, he punches them, he says witty <laughs> lines, and he might shoot them. Uh, things explode and all that kind of good stuff. And this is hoping to be that kind of movie. Uh, but it kind of isn't. Uh, this is a movie where Liam Neeson, he plays an air marshal who uh, is aboarding an Aqualantic flight from New York to London. That's correct. That is correct. And every 20 minutes, someone's going to die. And he knows this because he keeps getting a text message. That was a text. That was another one. <laughs> every 20 minutes. So to, That's of, actually perfect for this film. <laughs> and, this, and this genuinely happens all the time. You see, for the most of the screen time of this film, you see Liam Neeson with his phone, which is kind of a flippy one um, and it just keeps getting a text and you just have to deal with that and it's very odd seeing what is meant to be a cinematic experience punctuated by a beep 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 that's not a good start uh, you've got Julianne Moore the wonderful Julianne Moore playing a kind of a nervous flyer who sits next to Liam Neeson's uh, uh, secret agent and Bill Marks is his name Bill Marks is his name and he is surprise surprise a character who uh, Liam Neeson imagine this he's wearing a black jacket and he has a gun, and he's angry and has issues. Then it's, a, it's, it's purportedly a whodunit. Who is the person who is sending these texts via the Wi-Fi? So it kind of makes sense. Saying, this person's going to die, or this is going to happen. Why $150 million to this, this address? The trouble is, with a whodunit, you have to have an ability, or there has to be a certain hint that you might know or be able to work out who has done it. There is no way of working out who did it. When you find out who does it, there is a two-minute burst of exposition. I don't agree with that. I agree with myself. I've it's an incredibly it. nonsensical, oh, and it's that. And you just have to deal with that. And Anyone it's, it's with just a, no. messy. I think uh, Roger Ebert used to say that there are no extraneous characters in a, in a whodunit like this. Uh, so anyone with the knowledge of supporting actors who may have a sideline in playing psychopaths. Uh, once a certain actor turns up in this movie for about 30 seconds at the beginning of the movie and then isn't seen again until halfway through, 
Yeah, he's the killer. Uh, I, 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 I want to I say that there are people who will defend this movie, and I'm sitting with them, and yeah. they will cite other action movies that are kind of schlocky and a bit stupid. But the movies like Schwarzenegger that used to be good at doing had memorable characters, memorable lines, and plots that made a vague form of sense. This has none of that. There is not one line you'll go, oh, well... That was great. And that bit when he did that, oh, that was great. It just doesn't have that. I feel like you're just watching an episode of Sherlock where all you're seeing is the bit where he's texting. <laughs> and, and it's just a bit, it's a bit frustrating. There's a bit in this film where a news reporter says, in an unbelievable twist, you've got big balls. I mean, there, there is, there is no such thing in this film. There is also, just to give an indication of this, and I will let other people speak about this, this film includes as a plot device yeah. a blow dart. So... Before you watch this film, know the one, two words, blow dart. And that's what you're getting into. I really wanted to like this film. I just was kind of laughing at it for a lot of it. I know that this movie could have been done a lot better. Cramped fight scenes can be done well. I feel like uh, this, this kind of just kind of didn't work. The plot didn't work. The action didn't mm. work. And I was just a little bored. But I, I, I kind of disagree with that. And I kind of disagree with our one-star review. I, th- I think we're being very, very harsh in this movie. For me, it's a largely effective thriller for about 80 minutes. And I would say the last 20 minutes is unmitigated awfulness, uh, <laughs> sadly. Uh, but Liam's good value because he's Liam Neeson and he's punching people. And what more do you want from a movie, you monsters? I'd also quibble that it's... I wouldn't call it a whodunit. I'd call it just a kind of claustrophobia. <laughs> but I just say, it's like, it's a claustrophobic thriller. It's, it's, you know, yes, he's trying to figure out who done it, but it's not a sort of a Miss Marple detective movie where everyone gives him a clue and then you have to figure out which clue seems most likely. You know, it's, it's more of a just... It's more of just a thriller, a kind of classic thriller, I thought. Mm. Um, and, and it throws enough red herrings into the mix that you keep going back and forth on... You know who really done it? My brother reviewed this. He's sick. He couldn't be with us tonight, but he gave it one star. Mum said, "If I don't agree with him, I'm not worth showing my face back at home again." <laughs> so I'm, I've got his back on this one. Okay. I think it's cinema's first ever. Who cares who done it? Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. I, I, on the plus side, Michelle Dockery's in it, and she's beautiful. Uh, I know as that. Is, as is the Peter Nyong'o and Julianne yeah. Moore. So yeah, there is that. But that's. I honestly, I was forgetting it as I was watching it. And Linus Roach, who of course is Batman's dad, which makes Ken Barlow Batman's granddad, which I, it just always makes me, uh, it always amazes me. Uh, but we gave nonstop one star, that is the unavoidable fact, and that is of course, as we said in the podcast, not a recommendation. Uh, next up, has Ice Cube left? Yeah, he's, he's gone, we cleared it. Okay. Right, he's gone. Because it's time for Ride Along. Um, <laughs> In which he plays a hard-bitten cop who breaks in his prospective partner and brother-in-law, uh, Kevin Hart, over the course of an action-packed day. Helen. Yeah. I Has he le- definitely left? I leaned over to Chris uh, during the opening action chase of this one and went, I hate it. <laughs> and I didn't really change my opinion, I'm afraid. Uh, so this is, this is a story that would have felt cliched and done in the early 90s. Um, and you know it's the mismatched buddies uh, not buddies actually Uh, so Kevin Hart is a school security officer he wants to become a cop he's just become accepted to the police academy program Um, so and he's also planning once he becomes a policeman to to actually marry his fiance who is of course Ice Cube's sister Um, so Ice Cube has has been trying for years to get rid of this short twerp um, and uh, and decides to take him on the world's worst ride along to try and scare him out of things. But of course, wouldn't you know it, the big case has some developments that day, and Kevin Hart gets involved in things he's really not ready for. Oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. Um, 
So yeah, I just didn't find it. It's a film where the, the kind of the witty banter between these two and something like a buddy cop comedy really depends on witty banter between the people. The witty banter is stuff like get in the car. No, I won't get in the car. No, get in the car. I'm not getting in the car. Get in the car. No. That's a good thing. <laughs> what happens? I'm on tenderhooks. Does he get in the car or not? I can't remember. It's, it's also a film where a female character gets kidnapped. Again, women get kidnapped in all action films ever. And she's and it's wearing a bit boring. hot pants, isn't she? That she is she's wearing, wearing hot, hot pants, pants pretty much the entire way through. And also, um, to show that she's a strong female character and not just somebody who gets kidnapped all the time, she fights back. What does she fight back with? A frying pan. <laughs> If you kidnap Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, the same thing happens to you, to be fair. Okay, that I will go with. So, yeah, I, I didn't love it. I really want to see Ride Along remade in the UK by Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! Get, get in the, the car! car. No, I won't! <laughs> I actually like... Pre- I mean, the people in it I like. Mm. I love yeah. Ice Cube, and yeah. I, I really have a soft spot for Kevin Hart. I, I, he's been doing a lot of films, like, over the years. I mean, he wasn't Soul Plane, but he, he has been good and full of energy and he's often the guy who's kind of saying he chews up the scenery a bit but he's kind of saying hey this is my scene and I'm being funny and I'm really putting some energy in there mm. but the, 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 the scenes go from one place to another 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 place mm. then the ending happens and then you leave the <laughs> cinema <laughs> To be fair to Ride Along, uh, we did give it two stars, but uh, you know, I said to Ice Cube that Kevin Hart attacks this movie with a, with a real gust, a real energy, and I laughed quite a bit, genuinely laughed, and Helen can attest to this, because I was right next to her, at uh, pretty much everything Kevin Hart did, because uh, there is something about this guy. That's uh, that you know he's like the next big thing in the states. You know he's he's got a load of sequels coming up. He's about to do a movie with uh, Will Ferrell called Get Hard, which is coming out in 2015. <laughs> That's a movie title, not a recommendation. Um, and there is something about him. I think uh, you know this movie won't be for everybody, but should you happen to catch it on a plane, hopefully not one that has Liam Neeson on it, then. <laughs> You know what? It, is you this while away? You while away fifteen minutes of a ninety-five minute movie. Yeah, I mean, on a plane, sure. Yeah, yeah, or a train, or some sort of <laughs> submersible thing. Uh, so two stars for Ride Along. Uh, again, not a recommendation. Uh, let's move on now to a film that will already be be out by the time you listen to this. But don't let that stop you from going. Instead, let our review stop you from going. It is The uh, the Book Thief, an adaptation of the best-selling book by Marcus Susak, in which a young German girl is sent to live with adoptive parents during the Second World War and finds herself hoarding and learning from books because books are good and have words in them. Uh, so, <laughs> stars Jeffrey Rush, Emily Watson, and Sophie Nalise as the young heroine, Liesel. What do we make of this one? Phil Cat. Uh, just before I say anything, uh, uh, who's read The Book Thief here? Okay, this is the bit where we give out copies to everyone else. <laughs> we don't have any. Um, it is, I mean, it's a massively, I hadn't realised that it sold like eight or nine million copies around the world. It's colossally kind of universal, this story. Partly subtitled, partly in German, partly spoken in a weird German accent, um, and narrated by death. So you'd think it'd be sort of in my wheelhouse. <laughs> the, the book but is subtitled. The book is entirely subtitled. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's favourite book, it's amazing. <laughs> You can get it texted to you as well. Um, uh, but the film, I mean, look, I was on the set of this film and it's always a bit tricky when you go on set because you meet everyone and they're lovely and you get to see them making it and you get to see how much kind of commitment and hard work goes in, which is probably why we don't review films that we've visited the set of until now, <laughs> apparently. Um, but I just, you know, we gave it three stars, but I wouldn't 
probably go as generous as that. I felt that it's got Jeffrey Rush, who's brilliant in everything he's ever been in. Emily Watson, likewise, very good. It's got Sophie Nelise, who's I think now 13-year-old French, uh, French-speaking Canadian actress, who's really good as the central character. Um, this sort of orphan girl who, who steals books. Um, they hide a, a young Jewish boy in their, in their basement, away from the Nazis. Nazis are bad, apparently. John Williams has got an Oscar nomination for his score, which is throughout the movie. It's like there's, a, there's an overture for when they sort of boil the kettle. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's really heavily overscored, and it kind of tells you what to feel all the time. But I think you come out of it not feeling as much as you should. And uh, I guess I had that problem. It's really, it's sort of handsome. It looks nice. They've done the good period detail. Production design's great, and the actors all do their part. But it just feels super inert. It's like, it's, a, it's just a cadaver of a movie, mm. for me anyway. Um, but we gave it three stars. So there are positives, and I would say the positives are probably the world that they've created. And if you really love the book, give it a go. But I don't think it does it justice. It, it feels to me like one of those uh, films that is designed to be an Oscar film like yeah. Monuments Men or The Railway Man this year, and doesn't quite make it, and that's kind of a sad area to live in. Absolutely. I thought it was tedious to model. But hey, what do I know? Um, I like bits of non-stop. Uh, so we, we, gave it a, we gave it three stars, uh, which I've, I do want to say as a live podcast, which we always say in the podcast, is a recommendation. So there we go. And let's move on to the last film this week, uh, which is We Are What We Are, which is a remake of the Mexican cannibal horror film. And this one's from Jim Mickle, director of The Excellent Stakeland. So, Helen. This is one of the most gorgeously shot horror movies you will ever see. It looks like if, you know, if Malik made a horror movie, it would look a little bit like this. This is Terence Malick your face <laughs> and drink your blood. That's essentially... Ter- Terence and Mickle. Yes, yes. I've it been is working a bit, it is about, I mean, it is about uh, cannibalism, so yes. Uh, so <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen the Mexican film, it's, it's, it's a similar story, but basically uh, a family in, in a rural area... Um, not to call them rednecks, but they totally are. Um, they, the mother basically drops dead one day in town. It turns out she had a very rare disease, which is associated with cannibalism. Uh, the town coroner starts investigating, and we learn that his daughter disappeared years before, which may become significant. Other people have disappeared also. Hmm. Um, and in the meantime, there's this family drama of this family that have just lost their mother, and also, you know, she was their butcher, so what do they do now? Um, so you've got the two sort of teenage daughters having to kind of figure out uh, what to do next. Anyway, the film is very, very creepy, very beautiful, but really creepy, um, and, and then has kind of explosive moments of real ick. Just bleh. Yeah, lovely slice of American Gothic. Uh, great atmosphere, dripping with dread throughout. Uh, fantastic performances from Bill Sage as the uh, the father, and the great Michael Parks is in it as well as the Doctor. Um, if you liked Stakeland, this is a very different stylistic. It's a bit of a departure for Jim Mickle, uh, but I really think he's marking himself out as a real talent to watch, especially in the horror arena. Uh, we gave this one four stars. It's probably the best film. Uh, of the week although I should mention also out this week is Lee Sang Il's Japanese remake of Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven to which we gave four stars and it's a re-release of Funny Face and we also gave that four stars so there you go something for you to choose from but probably not non-stop or Ride Along or The Book Thief so there you go and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast our first and hopefully not last live show hope you guys enjoyed yourselves uh, some thanks to get through before we go uh, thank you to Paul Fickery and the Prince Charles Cinema they, these guys have been amazing <laughs> Uh, thank you to Substance and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment for the amazing spot prizes. Um, you're applauding prizes now. It's good. Uh, thank you to our guests, Ice Cube and Will Poulter. Amazing. 
And you know what? You can applaud yourselves because thank you guys for coming. I literally don't understand what you're doing to me. Um, join us next week for more film-related fun. We will be back in the studio and joined by Wes Anderson, director of the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Andrew Scott, star of The Stag, and of course, Jim Moriarty in Sherlock. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Uh, until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Doodaloo. It's goodbye from Phil. Goodbye. <laughs> it's goodbye from Mally. Wait, 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 wait. By the way, Oscars are this Sunday and we'll be covering all of it. There's a microsite on the website where you can find out all about the Oscar goodness. Uh, sponsored by Sky Movies. Sky and Movies. You can see how the Oscars were without seeing them on the screen through yes. the blog that and, we do. Uh, and, of course, it's, uh, it's goodbye for me. I'm off to write a Johnny Utah cookbook. It's called Young, Dumb and Full of Cumin. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Bye-bye. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs>